Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. If you're online, you already have my title. If you're here, you don't have my title. But I titled tonight, and I probably should get this out of the way. We have tonight, tomorrow night, Dr. Jesse Duplantis will be here. And then whenever he wraps up, we're going to take a short break and do all night prayer. Maybe 11 to 6 a.m., maybe if he runs a little longer. He can do it every once. Midnight to 6 a.m., I don't, I don't know that he'd go later than that. And uh, we're going to pray all night. When we did this last year, first of all, last, last night, there were 386 people here. One year ago last night for prayer and fasting, there were 86 people here. So we're up 300 from when we started the church. Can you say amen? Isn't that great? The thing's blowing up. You know, at this pace, it'd be like next year for prayer and fasting, us having 600 a night, like the crowd Doctor, when Dr. Rodney was here, and 1,500 on Sunday. That's where it's headed. So we have Dr. Jesse Duplantis coming tomorrow night, all night prayer, Saturday off, Sunday at the Dome. Then we go one more week, down to the last week, to press in for prayer and fasting. And we're going to break it on Friday, uh, Sunday night. We'll take Saturday off again. We're going to have Sunday morning at the Dome, Sunday night here on the 22nd. And we're going to break the fast with communion officially on Sunday night. And then, um, and then the, the, you have the next week, you can, you can eat and conduct yourself as a normal human being. But uh, th- that's what we're going to do. And I'm proud of everybody for the crowd to be up in week two that's supposed to be a lag week. And people kind of drop off. We've had... Uh, we had 1,287 people watching at a time just on YouTube last night from all over the world. Obviously, we say for watching all over the world and getting impact enough that you got people knitting quilts for us in Pittsburgh down in, in South and Central America. Can you say amen? So th- this has been an awesome thing to be a part of, and uh, I want you to press in. Everything with God grows. So week three should be a, a, a major week of heaven on earth. Amen? I want you, if you have your Bibles... Take it with me and open to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13. And I'll start at verse 18. Proverbs 13 verse 18. Title of tonight's, I've captioned tonight's message, Engaging El Shaddai Through Fasting and Prayer. Engaging the God of more than enough through fasting and prayer. That's what El Shaddai means. Genesis 17, 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, Behold, I am El Shaddai. El Shaddai, the Hebrew language, they tell me, is in word pictures. Abraham was a cattle rancher, and God told him, I'm El Shaddai, which means the many-breasted one, talking like a cattle. When the, when, the, when the cow runs out of breast, whatever little baby cow can't get to a breast becomes the runt, and if he doesn't get special care, it dies. So God said, I am the God that have more than enough provision for all my children. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I grew up in church where everything was about breaking even and getting to zero. You pay off the mortgage, you burn it, have a big dance, and everybody shout. Really, you don't have anything. You just paid your debt off. And even now, you got Christians. I'm debt free. Well, that's a start, but that doesn't produce anything. God didn't say, I'm the God that meets your need, or I'm the God that keeps you out of debt. He said, I'm the God of more than enough. Psalm 23, 5. 
thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And that's the picture I want to paint to you out of the Bible during this time of prayer and fasting. To see God as a God, not of, as supply, or not as the God that, he didn't say I'm El Shaddai, the God that comes through in the midnight hour. That's gospel music. That's not a scripture. I'm the God of more than enough. Genesis 13. And Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold, for the Lord had blessed him. Isaac, Genesis 26. The Bible says, and Isaac became a very wealthy man, and his wealth continued to grow, for the Lord had blessed him in everything. He acquired flocks of sheep and herds of cattle, Genesis 26, 11 through 13, and became a very wealthy man, for the Lord had blessed him in everything. You know, the man who donated this building to us is a Jewish businessman, and he sat down with me and has talked with me several times about I, things I preach that he doesn't know I preach, and I felt like an oddball for preaching it, and listening to him say it gave me a further thing to dig my heels in the ground and preach it because I realized I'm not nuts. He told me, you need to, as you outgrow this building, you need to look to buy land. Now, I preach on land ownership, but if you look that up, there's about me and two other guys. So I wanted to hear, I said, why do you say that? He said, well, they taught us in synagogue that the Egyptians would not let us own land, and uh, then God broke us out of that and gave us our own land, and we should never allow ourselves to go back into that situation. I said, well, that's good. I like that. I said, how old were you when, you, when they taught you that? He said, seven. That's different than the class I had when I was seven. Think of that, sitting seven-year-olds down and telling them that they wouldn't let us own land. Now we can. We should own land, and, and that's in the Bible. Psalm 37, seven different times. In fact, that's where we got the theme from this year. The wicked shall die, but the righteous shall possess the land and dwell therein. I said the righteous shall possess the land and dwell therein. So it does start to seem radical when you start preaching that because most people came from backgrounds where either they wouldn't touch on the money aspect out of the Bible at all because it's controversial. First of all, what isn't controversial anymore? If you believe there's male and female, it's controversial. And two genders is controversial. So I don't care. If it's in the Bible, not only can you believe it, it needs to be taught. You hear people say, oh, I know that's in the Bible, but we don't teach it. Paul said, I, teach the, I did not shrink back from declaring the full counsel of God's word to you. It's good to know the whole Bible. Can you say amen? amen? And by that, I don't mean the genealogies. I'm talking, if you know a lot about wealth, and then you have to deal with cancer in your family, then the wealth part doesn't help. Conversely, if you know a lot about healing, there were great healing ministries that had people starve to death in their family out preaching the gospel because they knew how to get tumors to drop off people by faith, but they didn't know how to get enough money to feed their wife and, and child. But God covered the whole thing. I am El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. The Bible says that God has no needs for he fills all in all with himself. That's one thing that separates a church like this from what they call nominal churches. We don't teach that we take a 90-minute break from life, learn some Bible stories, and then face real life. The Bible deals with marriage. It deals with child raising. It deals with leadership. It deals with health. It deals with money. It deals with government. It deals with everything that pertains to life and godliness. And so money's not left out. Furthermore, if you leave it out, 
then people start to learn to have a place for church. But how many of you know we have to pay the bills and pay the mortgage? So I have to work. I can't be in church. And what happens is money starts to replace God because if you don't know how to get your money the God, the God way, then you're going to have to get it the world way. And if you get it the world way, what did Jesus say about it? You're going to have to come to a point in your life where you make up your mind. Who's going to be your God? A man can't serve both God and mammon. I had somebody come to me one time after I finished preaching on the financial blessing of God. And the guy said, you're telling people that God will make them rich. But Jesus said, you can't have both God and money. I said, no, turn there. Read it. Oh, serve. Yes. Some people don't have a theology problem. They have an English problem. A fourth grade English education would do wonders for many people. But thankfully, I'm not talking to those people today. Amen. It doesn't say you can't have both God and money. It says you can't serve both God and money. For you'll love one and hate the other. But when you put God first, when you give God his rightful place, seek ye the kingdom of God and the advancement of his righteousness on the earth. And when you do... All the other things. It's not choosing God instead of money. It's putting God way ahead of money. And when you put God first, all the things that you could be chasing instead, he said, I will add them unto you. These 21 days, you are actively putting God first. Proof, physical proof. I'm taking steps to put God first. I want to tell everybody in this church tonight, I want to tell all the people watching online, over a thousand of you, that you can have an expectation from the word of God that in putting God first and putting mammon last, I'm going to have what others don't have because I'm taking the steps that others are unwilling to take. If you receive that, go ahead and put your hands together and give the Lord a mighty shout. It's controversial. Yeah, I'll tell you the two things that are most controversial in the Bible. What are the two things they tell you to stay out of? Politics and money. Don't preach on money. Don't talk about politics from the platform. Those aren't scriptures. There's no scripture, avoid politics from the platform. And, and avoid money. Isn't it, doesn't, wouldn't it make sense that the devil says, yeah, go ahead and have church like you do, but don't deal with anything that deals with leadership or government in the country. Just keep, keep that out. And then don't deal with the financial structure. What two things control people's lives? Those two areas. So you're free to preach, tell stories, tell parables. The devil doesn't mind if you stand up every night. Now we're going to read about Jesus was in Capernaum. Capernaum is a town 30 kilometers from the Dead Sea. It's actually very arid this time of year. They have a different climate than us. The devil goes, yeah, amen, keep preaching. I'll actually fund your ministry because it's like you take the Bible and divorce it from reality. But when the Bible actually starts to deal with government and starts to deal with finances, how do they control people? How do they make people get vaccines that don't want va vaccines? Okay, we gave you a chance. Now, if you don't get it, we're going to not allow you to work. And people are like, I don't want to get it, but they said uh, they're going to take my money from me. And so the world controls through money. Every time you hear a parent as a pastor tell you, our kids, you know, can't be in church this week. They have finals coming up. Well, why, is, why are they not allowing their kids to come to church during finals week? It's not because the parents believe strongly in doing well on tests. It's why they're doing well on tests. Really, most Christians, deep down, their main goal in raising a child is not for them to serve the Lord and be on fire for God. It's to get good grades, to get into a good school so they can get a good and make good money. And that's what they've taught us in America, where Jesus taught the opposite. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? 
Is there anything more valuable than a man's soul? So I was preaching up in Massachusetts years ago, close to 15 years ago. And I remember this girl, in fact, it was one of the reasons I got invited to that church. This board member's daughter got majorly touched. The mom and dad were worried about her, and she got touched by God, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, set on fire, you know, for real, on fire, bringing friends to church. So this board member talked to the pastor and said, you need to have this guy in. My daughter's a different girl. My, my wife and I were worried about her. You know, board members. And then, so they had me in. Then they came to me after Sunday morning. You know, we're, we're upset. We wanted you to, we wish it was a different week you're here. Our daughter has finals this week at high school. You know, this is up in Massachusetts where I youth pastored in Massachusetts. I'm from Pittsburgh. I, I was so confused when I youth pastored there because I had parents and kids though. I can't come to youth. I have finals. I think... I never met a state full of nerds. In Pennsylvania, we would use church as a reason to get out of finals. You'd have atheists. I, I'm going to go to church this week. Here it was wrestling. But the place they give wrestling and football here, they gave to scholastics in Massachusetts. So the, this father said, I wish my daughter could come this week, but she has finals, and she has to stay home and study. And I, by the way, I'm not looking to raise a church full of idiots that, that, that flunk out of school. I'm, I'm going to make a point here. So I, I thought that hit my spirit wrong. When he said it, but I'm not the parent. You're free to do whatever you want. I said, okay. Well, that girl followed me back then. This was pre-Instagram 15 years ago. She followed me on Facebook, and I watched. I watched her go from on fire for God to she went to, I think it was University of Wisconsin, and joined a sorority, and I don't know where she is now. But she, 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 she went strongly in the other direction. Because parents don't understand. Now, if you talk to those parents, and I, and I haven't talked to them since that meeting, so I'm not looking to pick on them, but there's a lot of people like this. We ra I don't know how that could happen. We raised our daughter in church. Yes, you raised your daughter in church, meaning some Sundays you took your daughter to church. Now, if you want to count that as raising your daughter in church, you can do it. But then Augustine's father would have a different definition of raising your child in church, which basically Augustine slept and grew up in church. I, I was literally raised in church. We had no home till I was six. When I say home, I mean apartment. My dad preached Sunday to Friday. I'm not, I'm not also pre not preaching this for y'all to camp out here. You have to leave when I'm done preaching. But my dad and mom didn't, we're going to take you to church, everyone, you know, when, when, you, don't, when, when you don't have finals. And when you don't have a game, and when your sister doesn't have cheering, and when I don't have work, we're going to go to church. God will not be number nine on your priority list. God won't be number two on your priority list. Now, what I'm preaching is not new. If you study it up through the 1920s, people would miss their Olympic events if the Olympic event fell on Sunday morning to go to church. People put God first. They canceled uh, rugby and soccer. In the United Kingdom and Wales during that revival that blew through there because it fell on Sunday and people went to church. And I'm going to tell you what I'm preaching and what I'm contending for is the day will come in America where they regret making Sunday game day for the NFL because there's nobody to go to those stadiums and there's nobody at home to watch the games that America is going to return and give God its rightful place. And if that's going to happen, it has to begin, judgment has to begin in the house of God. That's what prayer and fasting is. You know, when we do stuff like this, I noticed from last year, because it was my first year pastoring, that there's, I um, uh, wish I knew more words. 
There's residual effects that I'm not even planning for the fast that happened. For example, if you're in church twice a day for 21 days, now going on Sunday, you feel backslidden. When are, I had people tell me, my, my, my daughter said to me, when are we going to church again? Next Sunday. Next Sunday? That's six days away. Because what happens is you're starting, it's almost like, like football when they do two-a-day practices. Then it starts seeming easy when you do the games. So what happens is when you press in like this, it develops something. It's like if you start getting used to doing two-and-a-half-hour workouts at a gym. If they cut it back to 30 minutes, you feel like you're, you're doing nothing. That's how it's going to feel the rest of the year. You're going to be in church probably three times more even after this fast than your average pastor. If you go to this church and you're going to feel like you're half backslidden because you're only going twice a week or, or and then once with your, your youth or whatever. That's how revival is. Revival. There's like a church addiction that comes with revival. You, you, you saw that thing I played on Sunday, 1857, when that prayer revival hit. There was a waiting list to teach Sunday school in any city in America. If you told people that you want to help out with Sunday school, they said you're going to have to sign up. And if there's an opening. Uh, if somebody dies or gets sick, then maybe we can slot you in, and you're 11th on the list. Who, who ever heard of such a thing? That's what revival is. It's when God stops being when you can get to him, and he starts being what the word means. You're God. Like when you fly overseas, and at the Muslim prayer time, somebody breaks out of their seat, throws their carpet down in the middle aisle, faces Mecca, and starts praying. If you've had Orthodox Jewish people on an overseas flight, start praying, facing Jerusalem. They don't care if the stewardess Come on, sir, you have to get back in your seat. They won't even listen to him because that's their God. And America does not understand the concept of having a spiritual God. They'll claim the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the truth is, the way you know who your God is, is when there's a conflict between the two. Which one wins the conflict? And the reason this year is going to be an exceptionally blessed year is for the rest of your life. Anytime there's a conflict with any other God and the God of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're going to side up with the almighty God, and in so doing, see his blessing overtake your life. Come on, if you receive that, put those hands together, give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Now, now that I got that out of the way, when you make the decision, because this is the part they left out for me growing up in church, it was, now, if you make that decision correctly, you're going to lose a lot while you're on this earth. But one day, it'll be, actually it was like this. But one day, it's going to be worth it when we see his face, go through the pearly gates, get our mansion on high. All the reward part was kept for eternity. But the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Godliness is profitable unto all Things. 1 Timothy 4.8. Godliness does not meet needs. Godliness is. God, and, uh, we have an intelligent group. I don't have to ask you what is profitable mean. But profitable means overflow. If you break even in something, you actually didn't break even, you lost money. Godliness doesn't cause you to break even. Now, you, you basically had three camp, four camps. Some people taught that when you put God first, you're going to take a loss. You put God first, you might lose your job. Friends won't, won't like you anymore. 
You're going to be ostracized at school. Kids won't want anything. You're going to lose friends. You'll be all by yourself. But one day in heaven, it'll be worth it. No. Godliness is profitable unto how many things? Then the rest of the verse, holding value in the length that now is and in the length to come. I'm not bashing heaven. I believe in mansions and gold streets. I'll deal with that when I get there. But right now, I can't sleep in my heavenly mansion. I can't put Camila in one of my heavenly mansion rooms. I require things for life now. And godliness, the Bible wanted you to know, godliness is profitable not just for heaven. It holds profit for all things, holding promise both now. Everybody say now. now. And in the life to come. So some people taught that you'd take a loss if you serve the Lord. Some people taught, Pentecostals, that you'd break even if you serve the Lord. It'd all work out. That's like Taoism. It'd all work out. It looked like we were in debt. Didn't look like we were going to have money. And then God came through in the midnight hour. We were able to eat dinner that night. That's called scraping by. But Abraham didn't scrape by. Abraham, the father of our faith, was not praying meals on the table. Can you say amen? He had 318 trained men in his household. He had cattle. The Bible says in Genesis 13 too, he had livestock, silver, and gold that were multiplying. He had camels. Camels weren't pets. Camels were the 18-wheelers of Abraham's day. They led the caravans for transportation to other parts of the world. He was in transportation. He was in cattle ranching. He was a nation within a nation to the point that when the nation wanted to go to war, they went and asked Abraham, will you help us and commit your resources to help us to war? A nation within a nation. Before we, before we read Proverbs, assuming we ever do, go to uh, Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51.1, listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. Consider the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you were mined. I don't know if you ever had anybody in your family do this, but like um, if your last name's Smith, your dad said, now you remember, you're a Smith. We, pay, we show up on time for work, or you remember, you're a Michelson. In the Michelson family, this. There's like a standard for the family. Well, the Bible's telling you, whether your earthly family ever told you that or not, say this uh, if you're a Christian. Say, I've been born again. Now, when you get born again, you're born into a new family. The Bible says Abraham is the father of all who believe. So all who seek deliverance. What does the Bible say in Isaiah 51? All who seek deliverance, ask for prayer. No, if you want deliverance, it's going to start with remembering who you're born again, what family you've been born into. Consider the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you were mined. Yes, think about Abraham, your ancestor, and Sarah who bare thee. Abraham was only one man when I called him, but when I blessed him, he became a mighty nation. So the same way Abraham became a nation, how do we go from just me and Adalus traveling around in an unregistered car, to now, I'm telling you, I was in a meeting one time in a hotel lobby to go hear a preacher, and he walked in with this entourage of people, and I knew he didn't live in that city, and I was thinking to myself, how do you bring that many people with you on the road? 
I can barely bring. My wife and I were coming to a decision whether she was going to have to stay back and work at Macy's while I traveled or what. And I actually didn't have the money to make the decision I made, but I told her because I could just see it in my spirit. This would be the beginning of problems 25 years down the line where you have your life at home. I have my life on the road. And I'll tell you another thing that happens. It's like going to Ghana. If I leave a dollar's home, there was impact that was made to me in Ghana. Seeing a 6,000-person church, seeing that Bible college with 3,000 students, seeing all those things I saw made an impact on me. And what happens is, if she's not there, then my faith starts growing to do big things, and the wife can't come along with you because her faith's back where you were in Bible college. So I said, no, listen, I, don't, I, I can't tell you how, but don't, work, don't get that job at Macy's. The Lord called you into evangelism, same as me. Stay with me, and we're going to believe for God to work this out. But I would watch. I can't even register my car. How is this guy flying with eight people with him and his own musicians and all that stuff? I don't get that. But then now, all these years down the line, 34, not six people, 34 full-time staff members using private aircraft, which, by the way, what does a preacher need a jet for? If I had scheduled an American Airlines flight, at 6 in the morning yesterday from Pittsburgh to Dallas to get in at 8 o'clock Dallas time. We would have missed that whole program because the FAA, which is hard to believe that the FAA is having so many problems with who's in charge of transportation. But it's not easy to learn to breastfeed as a man, so you've got to cut the guy some slack. All of the equipment goes down. All of the aircraft control equipment goes down, and every flight in the United States was grounded. But they gave private aircraft the option to read What's going on? And make the decision themselves whether they wanted to fly or not. So doing things that way. And I've told you, if you've been following this ministry, the Lord said there's going to come into this country where air, the infrastructure of air travel is going to be affected. I need you to start believing me for private aircraft to do what I've called you to do. And so we did. And that big opportunity that opened up for a dollar. People can think I'm extreme. I think that whole thing was from the devil to try to keep her from, from being on air in that big opportunity. But the devil failed because we're not operating at a low level. We're operating at the Abrahamic level. And I tell every one of you, the same way the devil failed for us, you're going to engage El Shaddai and operate out of the overflow and what affects other people will have no effect on you in 2023 in Jesus' name. If you receive that, go ahead. Put those hands together. Give God a mighty shout. Come on, give God a mighty shout. Say, I'm the seed of Abraham. So the same way he became not a nation, a mighty nation. How does Joyce Meyer go from an abused woman living in poverty to a massive entity with tons of full-time employees and bodyguards? And anytime she's going to do a meeting in a city, she doesn't rent the Holiday Inn Express ballroom. She rents the, the biggest auditorium in the place and fills it. How? How do you do that? How do you do it in your, when you're 80 years old? All these people. I heard a young preacher one time say, uh, he was criticizing a preacher, and Rodney Howard Brown said, until you've done what he's done, you should keep your mouth shut. And the young preacher said, well, do I get a plane like he gets a plane? You think he came out of the womb and there were, there were two pilots and a plane waiting for him? One day he was just like you. So you have to see that part of your redemption is when you were born again. There's something on the inside of you that the ability to create a nation is on the inside of you. Like Abraham, he didn't try. What about David? Let's take it further. David's in the same lineage of Abraham. 
Everything's against him. His brother's against him. The king's against him. He's on a CIA hit list in Israel. He's number one target to die. And he goes and runs out into the cave of Adullam, and 600 men that are in debt, discontent, losers, heard he's there, and they all follow him out. Can you imagine? You're fleeing. You heard there's a hit out on you. You go and flee out into the woods somewhere between here, here and Erie, go to sleep, wake up in the morning, and there's 600 guys. Hey. <laughs> Great. And they're not businessmen. They're fellow people with warrants out for their arrest. In debt, discontent, disillusioned, low people. What attracted them to David? Why do people move here? And just, you know, half the people we hired last year. We never, they were here. If you were here on Sunday, I was just, the Lord just spoke to me that you're, you're to work here. And they were already living here without a job offer. What made them come from Oklahoma to here? Or Texas to here? Or California to here? You were here last year. We just felt to drive. Me and my wife drove from California here. We're moving here. And it's still happening from all over the world. Why? Because what Abraham had in him that attracted people to come and stand by his side and say, we believe in your vision. And it began to multiply. It's not just the multiplication of money and resources. It's the multiplication of people. It's why Jesus, a descendant of Abraham, could go out into the wilderness and there would be 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, that would go where he is because the anointing to produce a nation within a nation dwells on the inside of you. It's actually what freaks the, the, the elements of politicians that don't like the church. It's what freaks them out about the church. Because the church operates as a nation within a nation. And they can't figure it out. Because we're not holding signs and picketing or burning stuff down. But we actually wield more power than the nation that we're in. And they don't like it. And they can't see it. You can't see it on paper. We can't prove that we have this many people behind it. It has nothing to do with that. The anointing causes you to become a nation within a nation. I don't know how well I, I can get this across because I'm telling you as a preacher, this was the kind of thing I'd listen to when I was 24. And go, All right, I'm trying to pay my bills. I don't know about the nation within a nation. I'm trying to become an apartment within an apartment. <laughs> Say this out loud. Don't worry, don't worry. where you are now. See where you're going. That's what Isaiah was saying. You want deliverance? What you need to get delivered is to realize the genetics that are now on the inside of you from being born again. You're not stupid. You're not poor. You're not struggling. You're not a victim. That's why communism bans this book. Because communism is based on you believing I'm a victim that needs the government to help me. That's, what, that's why they, didn't, they wanted churches shut down for COVID. You have to believe, I, I could die. I need help. I need the government to keep me safe. But when you get the Bible in you, you realize I am the head and not the tail. And if God is for me, nobody can be against me. And my tomorrow is going to be all right. I came to tell you tonight, you are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. God is for you, and you're going straight to the top in Jesus' name. Go ahead, take 15 seconds and let it rip. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Say it out loud. I'm the seed of Abraham. Say that's the rock I was cut from. 
I just have a lot of trouble. No, you don't. You're cut from a rock of a man who dominated in his generation. You weren't put here to survive. You were put here to take over. You weren't put here to survive. You, weren't, you were put here to take over. Can you say amen? amen? That's what dominion is. Dominion is take over power. The righteous shall possess the land. The righteous shall possess the land. The righteous shall be the dominant force in that land. I'm looking at the people that are going to flip their generation around in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, let your amen be the loudest. Proverbs 13, 18. If you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you'll be honored. How does that render that in the King James? Anybody have it? King James, anybody? Go ahead. Just say it nice and loud. Proverbs 13, 18. Poverty and shame shall come to him that refuses instruction. When I preached two nights ago, Joshua chapter 1, follow this book of instruction. I said, what is the Bible? It's not, it's not a book of promises. If you see it as a book of instruction, you'll prosper. Poverty and shame comes to the one who refuses these instructions. But what's the second part? Honor comes. Proverbs 13, 18. But he that regardeth. And it's not talking about any reproof. It's talking about this reproof. If you let the Bible straighten you out and, and line up with this book, it brings an honor to your life. Everybody say dignity. dignity. I like how Lester Summerall said anytime they would go preach someplace where in that culture they didn't wear any clothes, after one night of preaching, all the people came back with some kind of clothes on and they never preached on not being naked or anything. Because the Bible, T.L. Osborne was big on this. The Bible brings dignity to people. There's no dignity in being two rent payments behind. There's no dignity in not having enough food for your child. Having to stand in some line and fill out paperwork to get some help. You don't read that from Abraham. Poverty and shame come to the one that refuses instruction. But if you honor what this book says, it brings you into honor. Can you say amen? amen. 19. It is pleasant to see dreams come true. But fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. Walk with the wise and become wise yourself, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Trouble chases sinners, while blessings chase the righteous. Say, blessings chase the righteous. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, at that point, you're not into seven figures, you're into eight figures. If you accumulate so much, like Abraham did, that you leave it, if I leave it to Camila and she can't spend it all after taxes, after the inheritance tax, after the taxes on that, then she can't exhaust it. And then it goes to her children. You're not talking about a little bit of money there. And I've always taken this literally, which is why I have the literal blessing. I had a pastor up in upstate New York get super mad at me one time when I was 27 because I, and I didn't even believe in prosperity. I just believed the Bible. And I was preaching on that verse, and I said, well, if that verse is true, that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, then you're talking about back then, before inf radical inflation, I said, you're talking about at least seven figures, four or five million dollars. He comes up to me mad as a hornet. 
You realize what you preach to these people tonight? You're telling them that if they do what the Bible says, they'll become millionaires. First of all, million isn't even, if somebody gave you a million dollars, obviously you'd freak out and be happy. That's what I. But what a million, if you have a 1920s mentality about a million dollars, these people, I hear people say it all the time. Christians, religious Christians are some of the most daft-brained people when it comes to economics. These people say God will give them a million dollars. Million? This church is not quite 13 months old. We have outgrown this building. The next move that we make, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to have a degree in economics from any university. You don't have to have an economics degree from Harvard. You don't have to have an economics degree from Everest to answer this question. When we go to make the next move, let's say we build small. Let's say we build for 1,200 people. Any piece of land that we pick out that will accommodate a building of that size, would you be able to get it for a million dollars? Then what about the building itself? Would you be able to pay for the steel and lumber with a million dollars? You heard Pastor Rodney when he was here. They were paying a million dollars a week just to put balconies into their already existing sanctuary, a million a week over their already existing budget. Million dollars. First of all, let God open your mind while you're here. And I know, again, and I'm not saying this sarcastically, I know, and I've been there many times, and so has my wife that's sitting back there. When you've got your 800, and back then, of course, now you, you probably, you need like 1,000 a month just for a regular apartment. When I, when I was just starting out, 1,000 a month would get you like a luxury condo, and then you could get an apartment for 600 a month. Well, you get, you get 800. Our rent payment in Virginia Beach was eight, eight something. Do you remember the exact amount out of? 800 and what? Adults, don't take all the good seats. Leave, you know, leave some seats for other people. Eight, 840? Good luck. Nice seeing you. <laughs> I love you. $840. I know what it's like. We know what it's like to need 600 and some more dollars in a handful of days, and there's nowhere for it to come from. There's no meetings to preach. There's no partners. Zero, there's nowhere. And, when, when you, and then I've been in that situation, and you come to a meeting like this, and you hear me talking about you becoming a nation. And that's why, and that's why I kind of struggle because it's like if I tell that story about my grandma and grandpa running out of food and then the chicken's coming down the hill, everybody claps because that's where people are at. And it gets hard to start to deal with this kind of stuff because people just switch off. Yeah, that's nice for you. But if you're going to become... Maybe that's why the Lord's having me deal with it during a time of fasting and prayer, because your spirit's more in tune. Don't make the Bible, even if you need rent money, you need to start seeing past where your need is and start seeing where God wants to take you. Because where God wants to take you is not from not being able to pay your rent to paying your rent. Where God wants to take you is from not being able to pay your rent to 20 or 30 people paying rent to you. And I am telling you, in fact, while I'm on the subject, this, this meant something to me. One time, I clearly remember this. My wife and I were on the road, and her teeth were bothering her. They, they hurt. 
She needed to go to a dentist. I didn't have money to go to a dentist. I didn't have money, I didn't have money for anything. So we can't go. There's no money. And I just had to watch her wince for a few days. Take Advil, and it knocked the pain down from an 11 on a scale of 1 to 10 to a 9 and a half. That, as a husband, made me feel very upset. And then, a few years later, I'm reading Psalm 37. Turn to Psalm 37 with me. And I'm teaching on Psalm 37. And I mean to teach on something else. But this thing keeps popping off the page at me. The Holy Spirit preached his own sermon to me. Psalm 37, out of the Bible. Psalm 37, 1. Don't worry about the wicked. Psalm 37, verse 1. Don't worry about the wicked. Or envy, by the way, how many Bible college students are here? Psalms does not have chapters, and it's not Psalms 37. It's a book of Psalms, and it's the 37th Psalm or Psalm 37. Don't graduate from here and say Psalm chapter 37. Psalm 37.1. Remember, I haven't eaten, so I'm just lecturing. Psalm 37.1. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they'll soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they'll soon wither. Now, every time it says something about the righteous possessing the land or the land belonging to righteous, I want to keep count together, and for once I want to get a final count. Three, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land, one, and prosper. Say, I'll live in the land, and I'll prosper. Not get evicted from the land, live in the land, and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him, and he'll help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn. And the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will what? There's two. Now, as I'm teaching this to people on our morning broadcast at our other building, it just starts coming up, oh, okay, I'm righteous, possess the land. And then I had just heard another older preacher show out of the Bible, and he wasn't a prosperity guy. Anybody God ever made a covenant with, he gave land to them. Abraham, Adam, the first gift God gave man was land. Adam, Abraham, Noah, David, Moses, and I'm leaving two out. And then as he's teaching that, I'm thinking, say this out loud. I'm in covenant with God. So everybody God ever made a covenant with, he gave them land, and I'm in covenant with God. Same as there. Actually, I'm in a better covenant based on better promises than them. And the Lord starts churning me on the inside. We own no land. We own nothing. But it's not what you have. It's not that you get rich by luck and then start buying land. It's the Lord. Everything with the Bible starts by seeing it in the Bible, what belongs to you. Can you say amen? Amen. So there it is a second time. Those who trust in the Lord, not might possess the land. Everybody say, will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear. 
Though you look for them, they'll be gone. The lowly will possess the land and will live. There it is again, third time. The lowly or the humble will possess the land. Three, that's three times now. And will live in peace and prosperity. No wonder that rabbi was telling those kids, you're to own land. It's, 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 it's in the Bible, the same as do not steal. Do not steal, do not commit adultery. Why? Because you're righteous and the righteous should also not look to rent from heathen people. They should be the owners. Soon the wicked, uh, they'll possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance. But the Lord just laughs, for he sees their day of judgment coming. The wicked draw their swords and string their bows to kill the poor and the oppressed, to slaughter those who do right. But their swords will stab their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich. For the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care of the godly. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent. They will receive an inheritance that will last forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they'll have more than enough. Thirteen months ago, when Russia went to war with Ukraine, and there was a, they were saying there's going to be a grain and food shortage, that was our scripture. The, even in even in Famine, they will have more than enough. That tells you that the God, El Shaddai, have more than enough. That more than enough anointing works regardless of what's happening out on the outside. Even in famine, they'll have more than enough. But the wicked will die. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in a field. They'll disappear like smoke. The wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly are generous givers. Those the Lord blesses will possess the land. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Those the Lord blesses will possess the land. But those he curses will die. I'd rather have the land. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they'll never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young, and now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken... And I've never seen their children begging for bread. Your children will never beg in Jesus' name. The godly always give generous loans to others. And their children are a blessing. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice. He'll never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever. But the children of the wicked will die. The godly will possess the land and will live there forever. Oh, sorry, I missed one. 29. The godly, everybody say, that's me. The godly will what? And will live there forever. Six. The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. They have made God's law their own law. So they'll never slip from his path. The wicked wait in ambush for the godly, looking for an excuse to kill them. But the Lord will not let the wicked succeed. Or let the godly be condemned when they're put on trial. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by, how will God honor you? But you'll see the wicked destroyed. Well, that's talking about heaven. There's no wicked people in heaven. So he's not going to give you land and you watch the wicked destroyed in heaven. Godliness is profitable unto all things, holding promise in the life that now is and in the life to come. We're at seven on land now. Correct? Is it seven? Who says six? You have six. Who has seven? All right. I'm going, I'm going to go with seven. I had seven. 
But I appreciate your brother Steve keeping me honest. I have seen wicked and ruthless people flourishing like a tree in its native soil. But when I looked again, they were gone. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. Look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. But the rebellious will be destroyed. They have no future. The Lord rescues the godly. He's their fortress in time of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in him. Give the Lord a great hand clap for his awesome, powerful word. And I, 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 I punched this hard on Sunday. I feel like punching it all the time. That This is not an encouraging. That is the inspired word of the Lord. That's God's word that, we, that I just read to you. The righteous shall possess the land. It's not a, a positive thought or a good idea. That's God's will and God's word over my life and over your life. So what you find happen is when you get God's direction from the Bible and you get faith for that, you start realizing, oh, I'm not doing something on my own to head in the direction, in this case, of land ownership. I'll give you another example. Let's say I start seeing, let's say I'm a drunk. I like drinking. I love liquor. Like a song came on uh, when we were in the car at Dawson yesterday about she's as smooth as Tennessee whiskey. And, I, and this whole song is like a love song to alcohol. So, I, you know, my dad would have beat me to death if he ever caught me with alcohol. So I, I never had a drinking problem. Not because of God, because of the threat of death. So uh, I didn't have that, but then I know people are bound by alcohol. They love it. They have a lust for it. You heard my Uncle Ted pray for someone say, I'm going to curse the taste for the lust of that drug out of your mouth. They love it. I mean, it's the right a love song to alcohol. Obviously, it's some realm I don't know about. I like coffee. I've never written a love song to it. <laughs> oh, light roast. <laughs> so it, it's obviously different. It's a different drink. Well, let's say I love it. I'm a drunk. I'm a committed alcoholic, and, and I've tried to quit. I can't quit, and, and people say you can't. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, but then I start coming to Revival Today Church, and I hear Brother Kofi preach that, A, no drunkard will enter the kingdom of God, that drunkenness is a sin, and B, that God's given us dominion over sin, and sin doesn't have dominion over us, and now I start saying, no, actually, I can get pointed in that direction, and if I start moving in that direction, God will back it. Then I'm not doing it in my own power. I'm actually moving in the direction that pleases God. And the Bible says in John 1.12, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons and daughters of God. So when I see something in the Bible, A, I see it, B, I believe it, C, I start moving in that direction. God doesn't have me go there in my power. God gives me his power to move in that direction. Well, it's the same with this stuff. When I saw, I'll make you the lender and not the borrower, that debt and mortgage and everything they train me in in this culture, that that's not God's plan. And the same way if I, I could go to PNC Bank a thousand days in a row and I'll never see one Hasidic Jewish man in the loan office waiting to see if PNC will give them a loan, they refuse to do it because it's anti-covenant. The, well, that covenant's over my life. When I saw that, though it was absolutely impossible for me to acquire anything of any size without credit or help or loan, I saw, just like in the natural, it's impossible for a drunk to stop drinking and a heroin addict to stop doing heroin, but if they see it in the Bible, God will set them free. As soon as you see it in the Bible, and instead of saying, I don't know how that could ever happen, you say, Lord, 
you said it, I believe it, then the same way Jesus said to Peter, step out on the water. And when he followed his word, that word kept him afloat. God's word will cause you to walk where you could never walk without his power. Is this clicking? So I saw it that day. Two things. I'll make you the lender and not the borrower. The financial head and not the financial tail. And the righteous will possess the land. I thought, well, everybody God made a covenant with, he gave land. I don't have any, but it says, well, we don't understand why. It no, it hasn't happened yet, but I also hadn't seen this yet. But I see it now. And I believe for it. Well, at that point, we had rented one office building um, near Settlers Ridge, near Giant Eagle. We rented one small space. We outgrew that, rented a second space. We outgrew that and re-rented the one we grew out of, and we had two, and now we had outgrown both of those, and we're going to rent a third because I had a renter mentality. I didn't know. I never had anybody preach this to me. And, 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 and I would have thought, deep, well, how am I supposed to? I can't afford a building. And the Bible says, I'll make you um, the lender, not the borrower. They'll lend to many, and they shall not borrow. So I'm, I'm not, if it says that, but I don't know how it's going to work. And so then I see this. So I just start getting pointed in the right direction. Mogala says, hey, listen, instead of renting a third office space, which at that point is going to be some amount of money that's well more, 30, 30% more than if we got a mortgage. I know you don't believe in mortgages. But she said, why don't we move on this one building I keep driving past? I feel a certain way about it in my spirit. And her twin sister and my wife felt the same way. I said, all right, talk to the owner and see, see what he thinks. See if it works. Doesn't hurt. Remember the other night I said, I uh, gave those steps. When you, when you believe, confess, put your feet on the ground. And what was the fourth thing? Oh, look. Believe, confess, look, and then put your feet on the ground. So then we did. So Magalitz talks to this man and says, our ministry that I work for is interested in acquiring this property you have for sale. Okay. Well, get your paperwork and all that. And Magalitz says, well, my boss is a bit of an odd guy. On principle, he refuses to deal with banks and loan offices and mortgages. And that man, and says, well, you know, then you and your weird boss can go find another property. She said he kind of lit up and said, I also hate banks and loan offices. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll set it up for you. Where uh, I'll be the bank, zero interest, we'll just break it in, in, into payments with this much down and on. And the Lord accommodated, you know, God knows. Say this out loud, my God's not stupid. God actually knows how impossible it is for these things that he promised in the natural to work. So if you'll just get pointed in the right direction, God will back you by his supernatural power. So that, that owner turned that building over to us, and we did it. Well, we move into there, and the Isaiah 51 thing kicks in again. Everybody say, a nation. We move in there. How many people did we have, Patrick, when we moved in the first office building? Five, six, eight. And we were swimming in space. And then, before you know it, my wife is tripled up with two other girls working in a one-person office. We are swamped. And I have my Uncle Ted come over to be a guest on my program that was here last night. He's a prophet, as you saw. So he, he came an hour early, took a tour of the office. As we finished, I was going to take him to, to lunch in downtown Pittsburgh. And he goes, Jonathan, I came here an hour before the service started or before the interview started, he said, uh, you're out of space in that building. I know. 
He said, he pointed across the street, there was an alley, and then there was another building. He said, that's your next move. He said, buy that building. I I had so many things I wanted to say. (laughs) Buy that building. Who do you think I am? (laughs) Buy a building like it's an undershirt. Yeah, that sounds like a great plan in theory. But the practice part is going to get tricky. So I said, well, I know enough to not respond in unbelief. Here's how you screw it up. We can't do that. We just bought this. Don't let that come out of your mouth. Kenneth Hagin said, anytime unbelief comes in your head, never let it get on the elevator and come out of your mouth. Because death and life, it's not wrong to think something that's contrary to God's word. But if you let it come out of your mouth, now you've given it power. Because death and life are in the power of the... That's why the Bible says casting down every thought and vain imagination that would exalt itself against God. You listen, for the rest of this year, any time a thought comes in your head that what God said over your life can't come true, there's going to be a power you've accessed during this time of prayer and fasting that's going to bind that thought and throw it in the trash and say, oh no, with man it's impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Shout it out loud. All things are possible to him who believes. Say, I'm a believer. Sure. So here's what you do in those situations. Because God will use men of God to provoke your faith. I had that happen when we were starting the church in Hawaii. That's the nicest. I know you're renting that building and you're excited that you just got the lease for that. But this church in the center of town, that's the nicest building. You should get that one. Yeah, I know. But it's millions of dollars. But that's where we ended up. And that's what Elijah did to the widow. Hey, bake a cake for me first. The Lord had already told her, yeah, I have enough enough for me and my son, and that's it. So there is part of the role of a man of God is to not only give you faith from the word of God, but push you. Because there's more on the inside of you than what you think is there. God has a great capacity in you because you were cut from the rock of Abraham. All of you who want deliverance, I need deliverance. No, you don't. You need to remember who you are in Christ. And then when you remember, if you let that rise up, you'll break all those chains off of you for free in Jesus' name. So I said, okay. Since he said that, I took it as a word from the Lord. I can't do it, but I couldn't do the first one anyway. I said, uh, Magalas, I saw a for sale sign. I know it's not there now, but I saw it a couple months ago before I went on the road. Call and see how much they want for it. Wouldn't hurt to ask. Magala said, oh, they just sold it three months ago. My Uncle Ted, without missing a beat, goes, when you hear that the sale fell through, that's the sign that the building's yours. That was on Tuesday. The next Monday, six days later, because it was the same owner as the first building we bought, he called Magala and said, listen, I know a year and a half ago you just bought our... Um, that other building, but he said, the one next to you, the people that bought it haven't made one payment in the three months since they bought it, and I'm coming over to padlock it today. If you guys want it, I'm not getting anything for it anyway. I'll make you a nice deal. Now, for that guy, to, to, I mean, that's the Lord. Now, you're going to find when you get into faith and when you get into prosperity, there is a faith and prosperity flow. I'm in it right now, and I'm going to stay in it the rest of my life where the Lord will lead you in the way that you should go. And he'll start speaking to you. And then it's just like all the things you used to try to get, they're just added unto you. Can you say amen? Amen. 
So when, when, when he did that, Patrick was telling me back then, that was a, you were nervous about doing that, right? Oh, it was the first one. We couldn't afford the first one on paper, but then it all worked out. And then the second one, we went for. Now, the reason this came to my mind was because a few years before, I couldn't afford to take my wife to the dentist. Then I find one set of scriptures in Psalm 37 about land ownership, and it says, oh, it must be nice for those people. I, okay. Lord, you wrote that. No scriptures of private interpretation. What you say to one, you say to all. So that's for me. And I, I, I'm going to make a decision to enter into it. And then property one. Now, I had been for five years on the road since I made the one discovery that you'll be the lender and never the borrower. I would say to the crowd, I want you to say this with me. Say, I'm, uh, no, I'm not having you. I'm saying, I'd say it in revival. I said, now say this, because the Bible says you'll be the lender, not the borrower. I want everybody to say, I, I, I'm not a tenant. I'm a landlord. And I was doing that for them. But I had been saying it for five years. I'm a tenant and uh, I'm a landlord and not a tenant. Did you know that first church came with two apartments that had tenants in them that were paying rent to us? I confessed my way into landlordship even though I have no desire of being a landlord. Do you know my cousin Teddy was preaching in Montana and had a cattle rancher? He had preached on Deuteronomy 28 and, 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 and uh, uh, Abraham possessing cattle and God will give you livestock and multiply your livestock. And a rancher comes up and says, when you were preaching that, the Lord spoke to me to give you uh, cattle and gives him two or three. And he has to get a Miracle Word Ministry brand and the guy gave him a piece of the ranch to, ha to house the cattle on he confessed his way as an East Coast Florida living person into rancher because death in life is in the power of the... Now, some of you have used your tongue to confess yourself into trouble. Some of us haven't used our tongue to confess ourselves into trouble, but we haven't used it at all. But now what happens is when you start speaking the word, you're going to see how real it becomes. That God will give you what his word said belongs to you. If you have the faith to believe it, receive it, and declare it out of your mouth. So we get in the same deal. I know your boss doesn't like mortgages, so we'll do the same deal. Just break it this, this much down, paid in the payment, zero interest. And God honored it. You know what I found? For, because you're going to run into this. If you believe what I'm preaching, you're going to have people say, that's impossible. You can't get anything these days without a loan. You're going to find out there's lots of people that hate banks that own stuff and are happy that you don't want a loan. Can you say amen? amen. I found that. So we get that building. And I didn't realize it because I, I, I I'm pretty tunnel vision. Every day I drove to the office, I just had on my mind what I was going to preach on that day and then do a little work and then go home. When we acquired that second building, they told us. Now, there's somebody renting part of that building, and their lease has to stay intact even after you acquire it, and it was a dentist. So I went from not being able to go to the dentist to five years later owning a dentistry. And when, I, when that happened, I cried. Because I said, Lord, you are good, and your mercy endureth forever. You took a boy that couldn't afford to take his wife to the dentist, to now I have a dentist office in my possession as a, as a stick it to the devil. Can you say amen? That's why when you hear me say, don't mind where you are now, 
Mind where you're going. If the devil gets you short, say, oh, scriptures, he believes that. I can't even afford to go to dance. That's that. They want to create anybody. Then that's where you stay. But if you have the faith to believe God's word and just start heading in that direction and have faith to look, and then we get those two. And I feel like I'm set for life. I got two buildings. I'm the greatest minister on the face of the earth. I own two buildings in Bridgeville. But I'm telling you, I felt, I'll tell you another part of the story I left out. When we bought the first building, Magalas took care, Magalas and Patrick did everything. I came off the road two weeks after it had been purchased. I still have never met the owner or anything. They, they do all that. I just preach. That stuff I preached to you about how ministers are to be given to the, the, the ministry of the word and to prayer. That's what, that's what I do. And then those guys are anointed to do that. So when I came home two weeks after that building had been purchased, it was like two in the morning, one in the morning, and I drove over to that property, and I went to walk around it one time to dedicate it to the Lord with my hands lifted and thank God for the acquisition of it. And when I got ready to round the corner, I felt the Lord speak to me, don't round the corner, go around the whole block, which was that second building. And I had forgotten about that until it came into our hand. Thank me for the whole block, because the Lord knew, as big as I thought it was, you heard Patrick, he was nervous, and not because he's full of unbelief, because he sees our bank account. We couldn't afford to do the first one, even with the deal and no loan and the guy being kind to us. It was a massive, it was an impossible, fair to say it was an impossible step in the natural why was it impossible? Tell me. I'm interested. It wasn't in the budget, and we didn't have the income to cover that part of it. Roughly, how much was it a month? And we would roughly have what come in a month or a week. Yeah. So an extra 16 we didn't have it. And then God did that. He not only gave us the building. Now remember this, because I've been preaching this. I'm not going to keep you here all night. Tomorrow night, I am going to keep you here all night. <laughs> Say this out loud. God never expects, God never expects me, to me to walk through a new door with last year's provision. Last year's provision. When God begins to open a bigger door, He's, oh, no, no, you're good. When God begins to open a bigger door, he's not expecting you to do it with your old budget. Along with the new open door comes a greater open window from heaven. I told you, an hour time slot opened up for us on Daystar last year. And uh, that wasn't in the budget. How much is that a year? I mean, I probably shouldn't say. Just under a million dollars, right? Eight to nine hundred thousand dollars. So we're not talking about a small budget. <laughs> That's why when I hear, and I'm not saying our church is better than other churches, but when I hear this stuff, like, we're going to have a New Year's Eve service and we're we're serving light refreshments. We ask that everyone pay seven dollars. I think must be nice to live in your world where seven dollars. Well, you have fifty people coming, seven dollars a piece. You're looking to make three hundred and fifty bucks. I don't understand you. I left that three figure realm. <laughs> A long time ago. What have we ever charged? We've served food here left and right. We would have served at New Year's Eve, but we were on the AstroTurf. What have we ever said there's a ticket price because we have salami and cheese outside? <laughs> salami and cheese is the least of my concerns. 
that TV bill, and that's why you start thinking like that, because when you owe 900000 just on one TV, and that's one thing you're doing, you're say, that, if we have refreshments, that's going to be $1,100. Hey, listen, if it comes down to $1,100, it might as well throw me off the top of the building, because it's over. <laughs> so you might as well just start. That's why when the Lord starts putting you at a higher place, and uh, that's why with, with Pastor Bob, he's 70000 because if it comes down to 70000 I owe 70000 uh, every two or three days, right, Patrick? Every two or three days, we owe 70000 So if it comes down to Pastor Bob's $70,000 salary, you might as well walk me up to the roof and throw me into the parking lot like the Joker on Batman 1 because it's over anyway. So what happens is you start having, instead of trying to cling to amounts of money, you realize, <laughs> I am telling you, if somebody wanted me to sit down and say, tell us how you were able to take in $15.2 million last year. I wouldn't say, well, you need to do this. Yeah, I would flip open to Deuteronomy 28 and Isaiah 51 and Proverbs 13. And I'd say, believe this book because God will take you where you don't have the natural capacity to go. It's not about you. It's about who God made you and what his word says about your life. And if God can find a man or a woman who believes that, I see you going to another level. Hey, Maria, your first flight's to UK? Have you booked the ticket yet? You're going business class. On us. Unless that's not a prophetic word, I'm getting you a business class ticket. Because that'll do something for you. You feel like an actual preacher when you do it that way. Instead of arriving looking like the letter C <laughs> with a baby that vomited on you. And, and home. When you go to book your ticket home, let us know. And you're going business class home. I pray those open doors don't extend all the way to like Sri Lanka or something. But I said what I said. <laughs> it's too late. Because it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you. The, the way God made this, it's so multifaceted. Because when he takes you to this level, you just, money starts to lose. I won't say it's value. What would be a good word, Patrick? It's, it's important. It's, as far as the money itself, it's what the money can do. But you realize you have an endless source from heaven. Many, and I, there's people watching me. There's many pastors that the reason, they would never have Jesse Duplantis in and Rodney Howard Brown in a year, let alone in the same week. Why? Those guys take a lot of money out of the church when they come. Because in their mind, there's like one pie. There's like a pie. Like there's all the money you guys have in the crowd. And if Rodney takes his section, and Ted takes his section, and uh, Brother Jesse takes his section, then I'm left with next to nothing. But there isn't. The congregation's not your source. God is your source. And when people give, they receive. And the goal of a minister is to get the people to receive. And that's why they won't, and that's why they miss it. Anybody remember that pastor from Massachusetts that, that came down to visit? Pastor Brian that was here uh, the end of last week and the beginning of this week. You know what he texted me? Think of this. When I went to preach at his church, when we had that five-week revival, the first week, $91,000 came in the offering. The last 12 months before that, $74,000 came in the offering 
for the church for all 52 Sundays, all midweek services, all revivals. So if you think there's just a pie, and that guy takes part of the pie, the largest honorarium they had ever given a visiting minister was $2,000. I had 91000 come in. I took two offerings in the week. The ushers came out of the back crying. We've never seen this much come in. This is, I, how could this happen? The windows of heaven. See if I won't open, not the, the pockets of the congregation, the windows of heaven. When we were got ready to plan all those crusades, I'm preaching at a church in Finland with 130 people. They don't have, the money we needed to pay for those crusades that year was not there. So a lady comes and gets saved, breaks up with her living boyfriend, goes back home to her husband, and her husband wants to see who the preacher is that got his wife turned around in Europe. And gives a million dollars on Friday night. A million euro. Whatever that was at the time. One million eighty-four thousand U.S. at the time. Comes in from one guy. He wasn't there, so God brought one in. Same way he brought ravens to Elijah. There was no food. But God sat him somewhere and ravens brought him provision. It's, you don't have to make it happen. As Smith Wigglesworth used to sing. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible only believe in the midst everybody that's here everybody's watching online in the midst of it looking like there's no way there's no way forward i'm brother jonathan i'm bankrupt uh, for the next six years i can't do x y and z god doesn't care when you believe him god lifts you if you believe him god will lift you out of the realm of human limitation pastor bob wanted to li- eat at h3 Some poor rodeo person lost their reservation for no good reason. Because God will clear out a table and he was sitting at his faith. Remember I told you, that's how faith people are. Hey, brother Bob, you're not going to believe this. When they found out we were going to take a pastor, they knew it was you and cleared someone off the reservation. He didn't say, oh, praise the Lord. You know what he said? Make sure they give me my favorite table by the window. Now that's half being a faith person and half being 86. You have things the way you want it. Can you say Amen. He not only took the miracle, he pushed it a step further. I'm going to tell you, you're going to receive miracles in January and February, but it's only the beginning of what God's going to do the rest of this year. March, April, May, June, July, get ready for the best year that you've ever had. You can be seated. You're not going to trick me into finishing. <laughs> My cousin-in-law, Brother Tony. Stand up so, so that people can see it. Tony Passarelli. Tony Passarelli. Tap my cousin. This is my cousin-in-law, Tony, from New, Jer- from New Jersey. He moved here back in 2013, 14, in there, 15. And when I met him, he was just getting, he's moving from New Jersey over to here and believing God for a job. He was relocating. And he felt, he, I met him at fasting and prayer. What year was that? 14, 13? 12, 13. Believe in God for a job. And then during the fast, he felt to go into insurance sales, which he never had done before. But he felt directed. Never really went to church before that. Basically moved here so to start coming to church. Because they couldn't find any, any good ones at the time in New Jer- where they lived in New Jersey. And then he goes on fasting and prayer. Unheard of. You go from not going on Sunday to going for 21 straight days and not eating as an Italian. 
Italians just have food on them at all times. You ever have like Italian friends growing up? The kids' lunch looked like, good Lord, who's your mother? But it, uh, <laughs> and I remember him telling me that. I remember him asking me, and I held his hand and prayed. The father opened a door for him in that job that he feels to take. And then now I watch him drive up in his wrapped SUV with the logo of the company on it, crushing it. One of the top people in the region and has been, been crushing it for a long time. And you just see what God does. And, and I mean, looking around the room, there's people that when I met you, you were low. You're not low anymore. And look at you. Not only are you not low, you haven't forgotten God, have you? Because your butt's still in the same place it was when you had nothing. Sitting in God's house, giving him glory. You weren't one of the people that God blessed and you went missing. You're just like David. The more he blesses you, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, when God finds somebody like that, the blessing will never stop. In Jesus' name. Everybody say the righteous will possess the land. So then we can outgrow those two buildings. And we feel... The Lord speaks to me on New Year's Eve going into 2021 to build him a church in this city. And so we acquire that property at Broadhead about seven minutes from here. And we're looking to knock part of it down and turn it into a 400-seater. And uh, it's not working. I'll tell you how small my faith was. Is I was going to take the original building we had in Bridgeville and knock out a few walls and turn it into like a 140-seater. I thought we'd be fortunate to fill that. And uh, it was my wife and her sister and a few other people said, no, I think more people are going to come than that. We've been getting phone calls, so we should get another place. So we did. And then that place wasn't big enough. We could tell. And it was all, things weren't working. How do you get this building with no mortgage valued at 7 or $8 million? When does the valuation come in, Patrick? What is it? Five, six. Good. They did low. Get less taxes. How do you get a $5.6 million building when you don't have $5.6 million? You don't even have the money for the down payment for it. Want to know how? Believe the word that he'll make you the head and not the tail. It's not your job to figure out how it's going to happen. It's your job to believe the word and God makes it happen. Amen. Yes. And what happened? I'll tell you, you certainly can't give me the credit. Adonis sees this building and tells me we should get this building. I said, Adonis, we already have the building on Broadhead, and I'm looking to get that built out. I'm not taking on a second project while we're doing that, but my wife knew. I'm not trying to elevate my wife beyond where she is, but I'm telling you, my wife has a prophet thing, not prophetic, prophet thing to her. She sees things ahead of time when it pertains to the ministry and building and land that I don't see, and I certainly didn't see it then. I got my hands full building out that other building. I'm not taking on a second project when we haven't even finished the first one, so I'm not doing it. And I could tell she didn't receive what I, I did not get her to agree with me, but she just was quiet. And then on her birthday, we were at the Nordstrom Cafe at the Ross Park Mall, and I had just eaten ice cream, which puts me in a good mood, and she figured she'd take a second swing. She said, Jonathan, Kofi's been to the building I'm looking at, and I had other people look at it, and they, they agree with me. And Patrick said we can do it financially because we talked to the owner and they want so much down for this building, half a million, we have it. And then this guy, now think of this. The one man owned the other two buildings and then for this building, uh, 
the man felt the same way. I don't like banks. I don't use banks. So I'm glad you feel that way. So I'm telling you this because you're going to have adults tell you if you're a teenager, how are you ever going to buy a house with no bank? I just did uh, three buildings with no bank. So tell him. Tell him there's a guy. He was wearing a suit and everything. <laughs> he, he stole a rapper's microphone, and he was telling me about <laughs> the blessing of Abraham. You know what this microphone is? This microphone is a manifestation of my hatred of a poverty mentality in the ministry. Before I'm done, I may get it crusted in diamonds. <laughs> looking like Pentecostal Liberace. <laughs> I hate poverty. I've had poverty. Anybody that glorifies it is lying. There's nothing good about poverty. Poverty is a part of the curse. Poverty came from sin. And Christ came, became poor. That by his poverty, he would make you. And whatever, this time one of Donald's presented it to me, it hit me right. Say with me, the second time spiritual. The first Adam was of the, uh, of the flesh, flesh. And the second Adam was Christ, spiritual. When she told me the second time, it hit me. I said, okay, if everybody's in agreement and we can do it financially, no problem. You can pursue it. I didn't know anything. In fact, the woman who owned this building, I met her at a funeral in the summertime. This is in October of 2021 now when they're turning the building over. I met her for the first time at my grandma's funeral in August. And she thought my eulogy was funny. I made her laugh hard. So then at the meal after, she sat by me and I was making her laugh more. I like making people laugh. And... Um, then someone told me when she got up from the table, she said, they said, that lady's done very well in real estate. She's let, she, she, she just done very well financially. And when they said that, I moved away from the table and sat somewhere else because I thought, oh, this lady probably thinks I'm a preacher that's like sitting by her, working her for money. Because that's what, it, now that I know she has money, I'll go sit by somebody that doesn't have any money. Not because I don't like rich people. I don't like anybody. No, not because I don't like rich people. <laughs> but because the last thing I want to look like is like I'm, I'm moseying up to some lady that's, I, just, I didn't know who she was. I just thought, well, you, you think I'm funny, and a lot of people don't. Some people want to kill me, so I'll sit by you, make you laugh some more. Then when I found that out, I thought, no, I'm not going to look like some preacher that's trying to get in good with you. And then, here we are. No capital campaign, no mortgage. There's no mortgage burning. There was never a mortgage to burn. Do you know Pastor Rodney and I talked about this stuff? And that's why he did the church that he did the way he did it. Because he, we, we, we were talking about this out of the word. I don't mean I turned him on to it. I mean, we were, we were just talking. Iron, everybody say iron sharpens iron. iron sharpens. No, we're not, we're not using a bank. God did say these things. I want to take God at his word. What's well, going to be a million dollars extra a week? Okay, then it'll be a million dollars extra a week. You know what else? <laughs> He's an interesting dude. You know how he does the stand every night? When they entered into the building program, he made up his mind he wasn't going to preach any nights of the stand so that he's not even tempted to raise any money. He thought, okay, it's going to be a million extra week, and you're going to have to do all of it, Lord. I'm not even going to take offerings or anything. I'm going to let you do it. I'm not going up there thinking, I need to raise this money. I'm not doing that. His yoke is, and his burden is. He just walked around, paced around the AstroTurf laughing spouting scriptures, preaching, and miraculously, 
Money came in from everywhere. There's no appeal on TV, nothing. Just went for it because he saw balconies. And when he went for it, the Lord that showed him the balconies made the balconies happen. In seven months. Did you know you can't even get architectural drawings to put balconies in that building in seven months? In the natural? Mr. Mickick, if you're going to put balconies in a sanctuary like Pastor Rodney's with steel like you've seen down there, from, but from step one, getting the architectural drawings and permits and all that, how many, what would you say the time frame moving briskly would be? No, I mean to have the whole thing built and permits and the, like from, from day one, nothing to then having to get the permits, architectural drawings, steel and have it all built and constructed and ready to go and signed off on to have meetings. How long? Post-COVID, 18 months moving. And that would be quick. Remember, 40-week backup just on air conditioning, and there was backups on everything. Seven months, they'll have the meeting in at January for camp meeting. You know why? Because he kept showing up at the job site going, make sure it's ready for January. Did you know when he flew, this guy, Dr. Rodney, I'm telling you, you mark my words, he's going to make it in the ministry. No, I know it sounds unreasonable, but you, you remember I prophesied it. Before it's all said and done, he'll have a worldwide ministry. <laughs> 61 years old, right? He leaves here at, what, at midnight. I drove him to the airport. This service got over at 11.06, 11.08. He stayed up and talked with us for a while. We drive to the airport. He gets on his plane. He gets back to Tampa at 2 in the morning, 61 years old. He's going to teach Bible college at 8 in the morning. Do you know where he drove? Not home. He drove to the church. Because remember he said there's people working 24 hours a day? Because that's what the building contractor told him. So he drove to the church. There was nobody working. So he called him at 3 in the morning. Excuse me, there's no one here working. Oh, I know, because it's, a, it's a 3 in the morning. Yeah, I know. You said 24 hours a day. That's one of the 24 hours. <laughs> Get people here and make sure they're working the rest of the time. Okay, you got it. And then went home and slept for an hour and 10 minutes and came back and did Bible college and the stand at night and everything and met with whoever he met during the day. Because he's, he's a modern-day Bible character. He even looks kind of like a cartoon. He looks like somebody you'd see on Superbook. Right? He's just, he, doesn't, he just looks like he's from heaven. Can you say amen? Because he's cut from Abraham. What made him like that? How'd he go from South Africa to America and own? You drive on the interstate and see his church. That thing's dead. debt-free with that big pavilion. That one didn't go up in seven months. That one up in ten days. Had to rent the sound system and video screens. What was he paying? Half a million dollars a month. And then he figured out, that's five million every ten months. He had done it for two months, and he went to the head of the company, and he said, uh, I'm buying this equipment from you. I'm not renting it for half a million. I'm going to buy it. How much is it? He said, it's not for sale. Dr. Riley said, you listen to me. We're in COVID. Everything shut down. I know for a fact you don't have any events to rent this to. Sell it to me or go bankrupt, and I'll buy it after you go bankrupt. It's okay. It'll be about a million, $1.2 million. Let me tell you, when he gets in that bull mode, I back up. We were, we, we were in Nigeria. No, no U.S. Constitution. We were in Nigeria going through customs. You'd have thought he was the head of the CIA. We need to look at your bag. You don't need to look at my bag. I told you there's nothing wrong with it. You're not stealing from me. Do you understand? The guy with a machine gun goes, 
He told that customs guy that had a machine gun, you should be ashamed of yourself. You steal from all these people. God took the rebuke. Not me. When he started yelling at the guy, I'm like, I did a, I did a full out apostle Peter. I don't know him. I don't know him. Never seen him in my life. Uh, no, I know we're the only three white guys in the airport. I've never, never seen him in my life. No, we just struck up a, he, yeah, I don't know. What's your name? Teddy Shuttlesworth, Jr. <laughs> then you hear a rooster. <laughs> Hallelujah! You're not going to be poor. You're not going to stay small. You're not going to live a normal life. You are the head, not the tail. Above and not beneath. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are yet to come. So rejoice and be glad for the Lord has given you the victory. Come on, take 30 seconds and rejoice. Let the devil know he's in for the worst year he's ever had. The righteous shall possess the land and shall dwell therein forever. Come on, let it rip. 30 more seconds. Lift him up. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man, that's what God has reserved. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shout a living hallelujah. hallelujah. God doesn't care how much land is in Orange County. God doesn't care how much land costs in Manhattan. God doesn't care. He owns all the silver. And he owns all the gold. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Say with me, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Say this, he doesn't eat beef. He doesn't eat human food. So, who, so, so who's the cattle for? Does he need silver and gold? He paves streets with it. Who's the silver and gold for? Who's it for? So when you engage him in worshiping the Lord, in fasting and prayer, in, engage him as your father, what he has becomes yours. You can play. I like your music. You're anointed. How many love Brother Jackson? Never seen a band knew every song my Uncle Ted wanted played. You ever seen when he's at other churches? Play Oh, it is Jesus. Might as well ask him to play the Croat national anthem. <laughs> anointed men and women of God here. I said anointed men and women of God here. On the platform and in the seats. I'm telling you, get ready. If you own no property, I was in your club seven years ago. Now the property just comes... Because actually anything you break through, you unlock an anointing in that area. That's why I actually have faith now for the Lord to turn something over in Kingman, Arizona, in Reno, Nevada, and wherever else, Lord, for churches, to, and put pastors in coming out of the Bible school, and have the impact we're making where people can have churches all over the country to go to and be blessed by the Spirit of God. Amen? Because it's an anointing. The righteous shall possess the land. You just do it. Same way you breathe. Same way you pay for small things now. I promise you, if you'd have told me that we'd had our own plane to take to Dallas. And you know when you go on TV, they don't, 
I'm not complaining if you're watching from Dave Star. That's, that's how any any season you don't get paid to go on TV. Just like you don't get paid to go on uh, David Letterman's show back in the day. You're getting exposure, and so that that's the pay, which is fine. So how do you pay? It's not cheap to charter an aircraft. How do you do that with no income? And no money was beaten out of anybody. No, they said, we're getting ready to go to Texas and we can't use. The Lord had me ahead of the curve. If you'll just believe him, only believe. One thing that's been a great aid to my faith is when you see in Psalm 37 how David keeps contrasting the wicked and the righteous. Well, you see what wicked people acquire under a curse. Who told you you're supposed to be broke? You don't like the World Economic Forum? You don't like Klaus Schwab? Get in on this message. Because you can hear what the devil wants. You'll own nothing and be happy. God said you'll possess the land. And Klaus Schwab doesn't have enough money to stop the blessing of God that's on your life. Many people that make trouble for other people are going to lose their ability to make trouble this year. This is a year of relative peace. It's a year to possess the land. It's a year of prosperity for you and your house. In Jesus' name. Lift both hands to the Lord. I lose the grace for home ownership, property ownership, the grace to possess the land on your life and on your children. Those of you that are here that are going into the ministry, even out of this Bible college, to own your church. Not to, no Bible college student that goes through Revival Today Bible Institute will ever have to raise money for anything. Before any need arises, the provision will be there ahead of time. In Jesus' name. We don't color in thermometers in this ministry. We don't give letters of appeal out that we need help. You'll do what you see me do. Minister the word, set people free, get people saved, and give people an opportunity to sow seed into the work of the Lord under no pressure. In Jesus' name. Nobody that's been to this church has been under any financial pressure from this church one day since its existence, and you never will be. You know why? Because I don't have any pressure to put you under. I'm not under any pressure. If somebody would have told me that our budget would have been a million dollars a month six years ago, I would have clutched my heart and gone to see Jesus. It wasn't very long ago that my budget a month was 3200 a month. And it took up, I prayed and fasted for it. And easier than the 3200 a month coming in, a million a month comes in. Just follow the Holy Ghost. Have faith to walk. You don't have to kick any doors down. Just have faith to walk through the ones that he opens up to you. And the ones you see opening up by his word. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for this lady that I talked talk to at afternoon prayer. Blonde hair in the second row there. Let me pray for you. You're not in trouble. How did you find this church? the internet, searching for a good church. Well, lift both hands, close both eyes. Doesn't the Bible say, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for my righteousness, for they shall be filled. Lift both hands to the Lord. Everything you're desiring from God, personally, 
for your family, finances, health. It gets delivered to you all in one package right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Have the best year you've ever had. Every negative verdict, I command it to be reversed. In Jesus' name. Parker, let me pray for you. Come, come right around that way. Lift both hands right there. Close both eyes. The Lord lays his hand on your life and opens a door for you. God's going into your future right now or after you graduate and opening a door for full-time paid ministry. In Jesus' name. Everything God's put in your heart, you'll do. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Lift your hands. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed of the Most High God who made the heavens and the earth. I command anything that's of struggle or playing from behind to be erased from your life. In Jesus' name. This father from North Carolina that talked to me today, lift your hands up even higher. Your child's in North Carolina with your wife? Or where? Right in North Carolina, I loose the power of God into your child's heart. I command that heart to be healed in Jesus' name. Not for there to be progress, a complete transformation of the physical heart of that baby. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. I lose a miracle. And any bills you owe, medical bills, even parking, going to the hospital back and forth, same way the heart get, gets transformed, let all that get erased, all the financial woes. In the midst of this, this will be the most prosperous year you've ever had in Jesus' name. They'll never find you on the side of the road in North Carolina selling boiled peanuts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everybody in the center section, lift both hands to the Lord. Be blessed. Be blessed of the Most High God who made the heavens and the earth. In Jesus' mighty name. All sorrow, I command it to be erased. All the tragedies that took place that would make it hard to believe a message like this, I command it to be erased from your spirit. And for fresh faith to pour in from the word of God in Jesus name let me pray for you brother Clint from San Diego step right out lift both hands close both eyes best year you've ever had your hunger for the deep things of God the Lord fills it today in Jesus name in the name of Jesus everybody in this uh, my left your right section lift both hands to the Lord God is going to quickly take you from where you are now to where his word says that you belong. 
I know what it's like. I preached on it for close to two hours. To see where God, who God says you are, and you say, okay, I believe that that's true, but I'm nowhere in the vicinity of that. If what God said I am is the seed of Abraham, is Phoenix, Arizona, I'm in New Brunswick, Canada. I'm not, I'm not close. Head and not the tail. I don't know if I have enough money to be the tail. It would take a miracle for me to be the tail. I can't even qualify to be the, the, the borrower. Let alone be the lender, not the borrower. God knows all that. Only believe his word and confess his word and thank him for his word around your house with your mouth and then watch God start to quickly, not over long, it'll, take, it'll be quicker for you than it was for me. Watch him start to flip everything for your good in Jesus' name. I don't think I've done this any nights, but all the youth that are in rows one, two, and three, I want you to come and stand right across the front. And God's going to put faith in you that from a young age, that's a lot of teenagers to be in church on a Thursday night. How many of you are in Revival Today Youth? Good. Is that everybody? Who isn't in Revival Today Youth that's in here? Great. You get grouped into. But all the teenagers that are in this church, you're going to be great in life. You're going to be dominant people. You're going to be people that people have to check with before they make a move to make sure you're okay with it. Like they did with Abraham. The pagan kings had to make sure Abraham was cool with what they were doing before they could do it. Lift both hands. I loose that faith that you'll never lose it, that you'll never have some unbelieving adult talk you out of it, tell you how hard life is and what you can't do and you live in a dream world. Those words will never find a home in your heart. You're going to do great things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. You're going to do great things in your generation. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Lift your hands one more time all over this place. As they play and sing, it's a miracle working God. Sorry, I missed it. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. As they play and sing, it's a miracle working God. This is what we're doing because it's prayer and fasting. Sometimes we've called people out and prayed for them, but this is a time for you to press into God in prayer yourself. They're going to play this song, He's a Miracle-Working God. I want you to take five minutes and press in in prayer. And your prayer is shaking loose. Like Daniel in Daniel 10. Things that were blocked and held up, they come into your possession in Jesus' name. 
Let's go. If you're filled with the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Go ahead and sing, God. And He's a lifted to the Lord the three words that just kept bubbling up in my spirit supernatural land acquisition the righteous shall possess the land the land which you are now in shall be yours and your descendants forever that land belonged to other people when God said that that wasn't vacant land other people lived there God said I'm turning it over to you God has the power to pull the lease on anybody and turn it over to those that please him the grace and anointing for supernatural land acquisition. Receive it tonight. Receive it into your spirit now. In Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said amen. I said, brother, Steve, that's you, Brother Steve, right? 
I saw that testimony you posted on Facebook. Somebody sent it to me. That's powerful. Powerful. That's the Lord getting you ready to be a vessel of honor, fit for a special work. Amen. You're going to have an amazing year. Even if you don't want to have an amazing year, you sat here too long. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to do that tonight, all these blessings come from being the seed of Abraham. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, all who put their faith in Christ Jesus are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. You have to be born again to access the blessings that come to those who are born again. If you've never done that, or you once did it and you fell away from God and you want to come back to the Lord tonight, I want you to put your hand up high and wave it at me and we'll pray. Maybe you even drove a long distance and part of what brought you here was to do that. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand, ushers will help you. Come up, I'm going to pray with you right now. We're going to make a, a declaration at the altar. God's going to touch you right here. Come right now. Every hand that was lifted in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. From where? Oh, you heard from here. Me too. Lift both hands to the Lord. Just say this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I repent of sin. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. As you made this vow to God and laid yourself on his altar, it's going to be a radically different year for you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you every day of this year. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it, Lord, and I give you praise. Amen. Normally we give... Bibles to when the people come up to get saved, but since there's not 15 people, I'll give you mine. That's a gift. Thanks for being here. We love you. God bless you. You're welcome here anytime. God bless you. Yeah. Give our new sister a big hand clap. Give Jesus one more great big hand clap. One more time, shout praise the Lord. You can be seated briefly. We're going to give you a quick opportunity to give. And tonight, if you're watching online, and those of you that feel to give that are here, I want you to mark uh, supernatural land acquisition is the word. If you, if what I preached tonight rang a bell on the inside of you, then I want you to make a move on it with your seed. You know, Looking back on it, when the Lord started to trigger me to believe him for land, was 20, uh, when did we get that first building, Magalas? Or Aunt Patrick, or anyone that stuck with me to the end. Magalas, what year did we get that first building in Bridgeville? 2018? 17. So that was when the Lord spoke to me to do that. I think it was 18, but she's probably right. Now, if I had missed that, then when COVID hit, it wouldn't have mattered how much I wanted to fight against regulations because the office park we were in, the owner shut it down for COVID 
And it didn't matter how much faith you had or didn't have, you were out. Couldn't, couldn't meet. We couldn't have broadcasted. We couldn't have done anything. And so God, by land ownership, tell you, you saw in 2020 how important it is to be the owner and not the tenant. Any church that rented their property had their services shut down, whether they, regardless of how much faith they had. So you need, you need to control your own domain. Amen? And uh, Patrick. Patrick gone? I did we lose him? Gone. I'd like to know how much more time there is on the bank. But the federal credit union that we're starting out of this church, that's under the same thing. Because you can see that wicked people, what did the Bible say in Psalm 37? The wicked plot against the righteous. There's people that for some reason, they would rather this be a strip club than a church. Or a bar than a church. They'd rather it be used for something to destroy people's lives than help people's lives. So they make plans. Everybody say the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's really what it is. The, my my brother-in-law pastors in Montreal, when they acquired property, they said, we have a moratorium in the city of Montreal. No new churches are allowed to be built. Why would you do that? Do you know why? Love of money. Because, and, and it's not even a love of money. Even if you loved money, you should want churches. Because churches bring money. Churches bring the blessing. But they can only see it short-sighted. So because they don't get any direct tax from a church, then they don't want it there. They don't realize that if 2,500 people all want to have lunch at the same time, it brings a lot of money to the town. Can you say amen? So they don't get direct tax from the church, but they get tax from Pramanis, and people like to eat Pramanis. So if you actually even had any long-term thinking, even if you weren't a Christian, you would want big churches in your town. Then the other thing is churches keep drugs out. Because even if drug addicts or drug dealers wander in, they get saved and they quit dealing drugs and taking drugs. So what good is it if you have a bunch of big businesses and fentanyl moves in and you've got three strung out people laying in front of the entrance of a, a restaurant? So churches benefit an area. That's why if you study it in U.S. history, that's why they made churches tax exempt. They wanted to attract pastors and churches because they realized towns that had pastors and churches prospered. And America is going to realize that again. Can you say amen? amen? Say this out loud. I bring, I bring prosperity to my nation. To my nation. Yeah. You're actually not allowed to be a member of this church if you don't work. And I'm talking like, now, if you're a white, I'm not saying every housewife has to go out and work or you're in your mid-80s, so you need to go get a job. But we have people move here that are charismatics. I just want to come to prayer and soak in his presence. Great. Then after you're done soaking, get your butt to work. Because the Bible says a man that doesn't. Christians aren't bums. Christians are to be productive builders of their community. Can you say amen? And because we preach like that, if you look across this room, we have major people here that are becoming more, more major as time goes on. If he went down a list of all the people he's produced music for, I'm not talking just Christians, I'm talking everybody. Top people. Because we preach the blessing. And this blessing's real. Can you say Amen. Mark your seed tonight, supernatural land acquisition. And if you're in the shape I was in in 2017, where your business has grown, you're in the shape we're in now. That's why God has you so. You keep your faith on the increase because where you are now is never where you finish. Amen? That's not how I was raised in church. I mean, you went to church in 1980. You're still in the same church in 2022, same, roughly the same amount of people. But that's not how it's supposed to go. Is that my friend from Ontario? 
Stand up and let everybody see you and give you a big hand clap. He drove down to help. Him and his son helped for uh, Steel City Fest. They drove from Ontario and helped for the crusade. They, they planned their vacation to come and help for that stadium crusade. And then now they're back for prayer and fasting. Glad you found an agreeable border crossing. Amen. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Tomorrow night, or tomorrow prayer, 12.05 to 1. We had uh, 138 people for prayer this afternoon. And then tomorrow night, Dr. Jesse Duplantis, and then all night prayer. So we're going to have some fun this weekend. Amen. Usher's ready to receive the offering. If you're watching online, revivaltoday.com, you can click give now. And uh, I want to thank everybody. How many of you were blessed tonight? That's your wife next to you, Mr. Mickey? I'm not saying this because I like you and I went to Christian school with your brother. But both of you lift your hands. I'm telling you this from the Lord. You're going to have the best year that you've ever had. And this year the Lord's going to begin to elevate you uh, where you take the reins of your, of your business more. God's going to trust you with more responsibility. You're going to have, not only are you going to have the most prosperous year you've ever had, you're going to have the most enjoyable year you've ever had. Because one thing God gives that you can't get from this world is not just prosperity, enjoyable prosperity. What good is it to be a multi-millionaire if your wife hates your guts and your two teenage kids don't say anything to you except words that can be beeped out because they hate your guts. But God, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and he addeth no sorrow-free prosperity. Belongs to every person that's here and every person that's watching online. Give the Lord another great hand clap. All right. Tomorrow, 12.05 for prayer. 10.30 in the morning, I'll be online only. And then 7 o'clock. Um, if there's inclement weather, the service will still start at 7 o'clock. I know that caught a lot of pastors off guard a couple weeks ago that it's winter time and the temperature dropped, but we'll be having church even in the winter. Amen. All right. Give the Lord a great big hand clap to sow your seed. Play them out. God bless every one of you in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.